0: Every day, I do the same thing. Hit the gym, mainly to check out the hot guy in blue. Go to work, blah, blah, blah. Have a few drinks with my girls. Go home, read Fifty Shades of Whatever. Kiss my husband goodnight, go to sleep, and dream of Tanning Tatum. Every day. The same thing, lust after the hot guy, blah, blah, blah. A few drinks, 50 shades, kiss my husband goodnight, dream of Channing Tatum. Lust, drinks, 50 shades, Channing Tatum. Lust, drinks, 50 shades, Channing Tatum. You think these sins are avoidable? If you ask me, I think they're absolutely necessary. Hey, welcome today to all of you at all of our Life Churches and our Network Churches and those of you at Church Online. I wonder how many of you are a little bit ready to get challenged today. If you are, give me a little shout back wherever you are. Uh, We're in the third week of a four-part message series called Necessary Sins. If you missed the last couple of weeks, you may say, what in the world is a necessary sin well in our world today most people would agree on some sins that there are some big bad sins that wherever you are everybody would say they're wrong murder is always a sin Uh, rape is always wrong most people would say stealing is agreeably a sin but there are some sins in our culture that a lot of people today would say well I'm just not so sure that they're always wrong. God may say they're wrong, but if you ask me, they're more acceptable. They're more uh, necessary. They're just kind of a part of life. And today, I wanna talk about another of what many people would call a necessary sin. Next week, we're going to deal with anger, with our temper, and see what uh, the Bible says about that. Today, I want to open up, as we have in all the weeks, with the prayer from David in the Old Testament, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. He prayed this, and if you're comfortable at all of our churches, would you just read this aloud with me and make it your prayer. Our prayer is this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the paths of everlasting life. Search us, God. Point out anything in us that offends you and lead us along the path of everlasting life. The necessary sin I wanna talk to you about today is the sin of sexual lust. This is an issue that really, really concerns me and I believe grieves the heart of God. In our culture today, a lot of people would say, well, lust, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, God kind of made us all this way anyway. Uh, all men battle with lust. In fact, today, I want to just be real clear that this is not just a man issue. This is a human being issue. Even though men may be more easily tempted, women are also easily hooked. In fact, according to an article in today's Christian Women magazine, uh, the author, based on their study, found that about one in six women, and this includes Christian women, about one in six women now struggle with an addiction to pornography. Much, much higher than what was in the past. And according to conservative studies, 50% and some say way more men struggle with pornography and a host of other lustful issues. If you have children, I don't know how many of you have teenagers, but we seem to have several and we'll probably have several for decades to come with six kids. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the highest users and consumers of pornography are actually 12 to 17-year-olds, okay? If you have children in your home, this is something that should have your full attention. And let me tell you why I'm really concerned. There's really a couple of reasons. First of all, because the access to that which feeds our sexual lusts has never, ever been higher. I mean, you take any type of mobile device and you can get into anything and everything that you would ever want to or never want to get into. So access has never been higher. And at the same time, I would argue there's more tolerance to lust issues than ever before. I mean, what's acceptable to be on TV now, just in prime time, is years ago would have been considered shameful. And so the standard of what is acceptable I believe has gone way, 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 way down. And a lot of people would argue, what I'm doing is not hurting anyone. I mean, no one knows about it. This is just who I am. This is just what I go through. In fact, I have a, a friend who's been a friend for over 20 years who stopped going to our church because of my stance on lust. And I think it's a fairly clear stance, but in every other aspect, my friend would say, I'm a committed follower of Christ but he says, I look at pornography and do other things like that because I'm a single person. It's just how I get through life. And this is incredibly common today for people just to justify and rationalize. I mean, I'm not hurting anybody. This is just the way I am. It's not anybody's business anyway. So why make such a big deal out of it? Now, let me just say for the record, if you're not a Christian, you're off the hook today. You're off the hook. What I'm going to teach you does not apply to you because you're not supposed to live by the standards taught according to Jesus. So Some of you may say, I'm not a Christian. and I'm glad I'm not. When you hear this, you may not want to be, but there may be something that draws you as you hear this and you recognize something is wrong with the way most people are living. If you are a follower of Jesus, then we have to take the words of Jesus seriously. And let me tell you what he said is very, very clear and also very convicting. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, Jesus says, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. Most of us would say, yeah, that's probably a bad thing to do. He raises the standard and says, but I tell you, Anyone who does what? Let's all say this aloud. Anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already done what? He said has already committed adultery with her in his heart. According to Jesus, looking lustfully, check it out, praise the Lord for that, okay? Looking lustfully is equal to committing adultery in your heart. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have to agree that surrendering to the natural sinful desires of lust is wrong. And not only is it wrong, according to James, it's very, very dangerous. James, the brother of Jesus, said this in chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. He said, temptation comes from our own desires. Which, what do they do? Read it aloud. Which? entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And sin, when it is allowed to grow, in other words, when it's not confessed and when you don't turn from it, when you just continue on in your sin and it's allowed to grow, what does it give birth to? James said it gives birth to death. Death of what? Well, death of purity, Death of intimacy, death of trust in a relationship, and ultimately, spiritual death. When temptation grows into actions and is continued unchecked, it is incredibly destructive, and if you do not believe it, just continue to feed the fire of sexual lust and watch where you will wake up sometime from now. Void of intimacy. Void of depth in a relationship with a human being. And void of spiritual life with God through Christ. It leads to death. If you don't believe it, just stay on the lustful path and watch where you end up. In fact, the word entice, it says, this entices us. This is actually a fishing term. I don't know how many of you love to fish. I'm not very good at fishing. I can actually catch them, but it's getting them off the hook that just wigs me out. i got to give it to my nine-year-old daughter to help get them off the hooks, you know. <laughs> and, but anyway, you know, you imagine there's some bait on a hook, and that which leads us to lust is our spiritual enemy's bait. We're, oh, that looks good. I think that will fill the emptiness. That, that will keep me from being bored, and we go after it, and then we're hooked, and we're enticed, and we're dragged away. In fact, the Greek word that's translated as enticed is the word deleazo. If you're taking notes, it means to entrap, to allure, to entice, or to hook. Now, how is it that we're hooked? How are we hooked? I want to give you just real practical steps of what commonly happens in the lives of many people you know, and some of you might say, you know what, this is kind of my story. Just real quickly, the first thing that happens if you're taking notes is you're exposed to some type of sexual impurity. Maybe you're a little kid and your little, your opposite sex friend comes over and someone says, let's play doctor. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And then you're exposed to something even as a child and your, your innocence is robbed. Maybe you're a kid walking through the mall and you see a Victoria's Secret place. I saw a, a mom dragging a 12 year old boy and she's walking along and the boy's like, oh. and he's like, I don't know what Victoria's Secret is, but would someone tell me right now? I want to know what her secret is, you know? Or maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're online and there's an ad and, and you click on it and then you click on something else and before long you see something that you weren't supposed to see. Unfortunately, tragically, some of you, and it's tragic how high the percentages are um, you were a child and, and someone betrayed your innocence and, and someone abused you and maybe an authority figure or someone that you trusted and at a very young age you just you, you, you lost something that was very special to you you're exposed to something impure For me, it was the fifth grade when I went over to Stephen Black's house and he came in more excited than a kid on Christmas morning he'd found his dad's Playboy magazine stash. And he said, you're not going to believe this. We went in and we from cover to cover read every article in those magazines. Now, you know I'm lying, right? Somebody like their articles, you know, and, you know, and we, we looked at, I mean, I'm in the fifth grade. I don't even know why. I'm, I'm so young going, I don't know why I like this, but I like what I see. And uh, to this day, if I try, I can pull up an image in my mind of what I saw way back then. What happened is I was exposed to something that was impure. Then, if you're taking notes, first of all, you're exposed and then you're injured. And that's what happened to me. My mind was pure and suddenly my mind was polluted. You were innocent and then you were wounded. Something in your thought process is not the same. You were exposed to some impurity and then you sustained an injury of the mind. Then the next thing you're exposed, you're injured, then you're confused. If you're like a lot of people, you simultaneously feel this this sense of enjoyment and shame. I I like this, but I feel guilty. And then you're like Paul in Romans 7, when he says The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And I'm trying not to, but I I am. And I don't know what to do. So because you're enjoying it and yet you feel guilty, many people become skilled at justifying it. Well, I probably shouldn't, but I'm single, so it doesn't matter as much now. This just kind of helps me get through things. Uh, You're married and you think, if my spouse met my needs, I wouldn't. Have to, and so since he or she doesn't know, this must be okay. It's just kind of how I cope with things, and you tell yourself this, and you hope you make it through. Then sometimes you get convicted by God, and you make a promise. God, I'm never going to do this again. God, if you help me, I'll never do this again. I promise I'm never going to do this again. And then four days later, you're doing it again. Some of you know what I'm talking about. All the holy people are sitting there going, huh, I don't know what you're talking about. All the real people, you're like, oh, I know what you're talking about. And sometimes you like have these long periods where everything's good and you've got like sexual sobriety for a long period of time and then you open up a door and you get back into something and you go on sexual binges where you find yourself in real trouble. What's happened? You're confused. You were you exposed and you were injured and you were confused. And I've heard some people say, hey, I, I was single and I thought maybe when I'm married, this problem will go away. Then you get married, and the problem didn't go away. You think, man, I must have a passion problem. You don't have a passion problem, you're dealing with an injury that has not healed. You've been wounded by your spiritual enemy and your mind has changed and it has not yet healed. In fact, I, um, several years ago, taught a series of messages called My Secret, and we allowed people to confess openly their secrets. And I pull a few of um, the confessions and I want to read a portion of them. I'm going to edit them some uh, because we have children in the room. But uh, I, I just want to kind of read these to you. And if you'll listen, what you're going to find is you're going to find those who are exposed, you'll hear their injury, and you're going to watch their confusion. This first woman says, I'm a wife, a mother, and a Christian who masturbates and views porn online. I'm so ashamed yet it seems so totally separate from who I am. I want to be free, but I also enjoy it while being sickened at the same time. Now that I've confessed it, I'm going to go vomit. I mean, you can hear this, the, the injury, the confusion, uh, the, the wound along the way. This, uh, this guy says, I've struggled with pornography for many years. I found myself watching, and then he lists the types of porn. I'm not going to list what they are, but it's a type that that... A lot of people would go, "Oh, I didn't even think of that. Just way out, their stuff. And he says, I'm so sorry and ashamed of myself. These things are not attractive to me, but I've distorted my mind for so many years that I've become bored with regular sexuality. Please pray for me. You can hear it. You've got the wound, you've got the confusion, it's all there. This guy says, I'm leading a double life. My wife and children have no idea, but I'm secretly attracted to men. It started when an older boy touched me, an injury, in junior high, and it followed me through life. He's exposed and injured. I've recently been lying to my wife and doing things that would devastate her. I want to tell her, but I'm afraid she'll divorce me, and I don't want to lose my family. What do we see? You're exposed, you're injured, and you are confused. You've got an injury that has not yet healed. So what do we do? What do we do? Do we justify it and say, this is just the way I am? This is just a part of life? I mean, dealing with this is just a necessary sin. Or do we believe that because Jesus says it's wrong and dangerous and destructive and that Jesus declares if we know him, we can be free, do we just surrender to it or do we believe there is something better? With all of my heart and every bit of faith that I have, I know there is something better and there is a way out. And I want to keep it as simple as I can and give you two words that will help us heal from the lustful wound. The first word is the word protect. Everybody say protect. We're going to protect the wounds. For example, I don't know if I ever told you, but I used to want to be a stuntman. Uh, You don't laugh very hard because most of you say, I could see that, you could do it, and the reality is, You're right. In the fifth and sixth grade, man, I used to ride my bicycle straight into a curb and flip over it and do a power roll and come out completely unharmed. I mean, like stuntmen recruiters were were seeking me out. Not really. But if they would have known I was there, they would have been. I had a trick that was so cool. In the sixth grade, I mastered something that no one could do to my knowledge on my block in Beaumont, Texas. I could put my foot on the seat of a 10-speed bicycle, hold the handlebars with both hands, and ride along like this, and then lift one hand off and wave. I'm here to tell you, the seventh grade chicks dug this like you would not believe. I'd wave when going by, and they'd be like, oh, this is amazing. Well, one time I just decided, I'm going to let go for just a second with both hands. Just for just, I mean, split second, so fast you couldn't even see it. And I thought if I do this, then I'll be the first guy in the history of the world to ride on a 10-speed bike with only his foot on it and no hands. In my mind, I visualized this. Just like that. So fast, you could barely even notice. The problem is all I remember was loosening the grip. And the next thing you know, I woke up in the hospital with the back of my head shaved, staples, stitches, glue, string, anything that can take a head and put it back together was used all the way up the back of my head. And the doctor said, you have one assignment. And this is the most important thing we could ever tell you. The wound is so deep and so long. The only thing you need to do is protect the wound. You have to keep it from being opened up, exposed, because if it gets infected, this could be really, really bad. Some of you have been wounded. You saw something that you shouldn't have seen. You you got excited, and then you justified it. And the next thing you know, you've been confused. And now you don't want to, but you do. And sometimes you just do anyway, and you want to, and you give in to it. The problem is you've been injured. Guess what? God heals wounds. But you have to protect the wound in order for God to heal it. How do you do this? Psalm 119, verse 9. Thousands of years ago, the psalmist asked the same question we could ask today. How can a young man keep his way pure? Isn't it interesting that this is not just a modern-day question, but one that has been asked for centuries upon centuries? How can a young person keep his way pure? By doing what? Say, Say it aloud, by guarding it according to your word, by protecting the wound, by guarding your purity, by keeping distance between you and that which would tempt you. Jesus in the New Testament taught it this way. He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, you should gouge it out. Wow. He said, if your right arm causes you to sin, you, could, you should cut it off. He said it would be better for you to go through life without all of your body than to give away your soul in eternity. Now, was he being literal in his analogy? I'm kind of hoping not, okay, because if he was, there's going to be a lot of one-armed Cyclops is walking into church next week. I, you know, I, oh, praise the Lord, I can't see much, and I, you got to hold my Bible with my other arm because you know, it's not there. But, but Jesus, I don't think, was being literal as much as he was speaking figuratively. you got to do everything you can to stay away from that which would harm you. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he talked about sin, he would say, fight it or resist it. When he talked about sexual immorality, he didn't say fight it. He didn't say resist it. He said flee from it. When it came to sexual immorality, he didn't say fight. He didn't say resist. He said run for your life. Keep a distance between you and anything that would hurt you. In other words, protect yourself, protect the wound, and give it some time to heal. Now, I don't know what you'll need to do to protect yourself. I'll tell you a few of the things I do, just a a few of them. Uh, One of the things is that I don't have certain TV stations that have inappropriate stuff, and I have the um, more graphic ratings blocked because every now and then that we get on our satellite, we get like free HBO and Skinamax, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen Skinamax, but I block out those ratings so just in case my kids or uh, any of us don't come across it. So I decide ahead of time to protect myself. I have my computer monitored for over 10 years. There are two people who have the authority, two of the several people that have the authority to fire me. See, every click I make on every single computer. Uh, On my mobile devices, my iPads, my my iPhone, uh, I don't have Safari, I have that blocked out. I have a filtered browser, It's annoying sometimes because I can't see a lot of things. But there's a lot of things that if I ever tried to see or accidentally stumbled upon, it won't let me see those either. There are certain apps that are very common but have a window into what could be tempting that I simply do not use on my devices. You may say, Craig, are you really that weak? Actually, I'd say no, I'm that smart because 364 days a year, I am not that weak. I honestly am not. I mean, at this point in my life, I'm not nearly as vulnerable as I was back when I was 18 or 21 or 23, okay? But, if I ever am vulnerable, guess what I've already done? I've set up systems to keep me far from that which would be tempting. Now, I don't know what you will need. You have to be honest about it. You are only as strong as you are honest. Some of you, you might have to say, "I can't travel alone anymore," or I may not need to go to a certain gym because when I go there, it's more difficult. Or you may need to learn to bounce your eyes. If you see something that's inappropriate, you just train your eyes, just look somewhere else. You know, so some of you may go to the gym, you may get dizzy, like mm-hmm. what do you do? You know, or whatever. But you you train your eyes to bounce away so that you do not get into trouble. You may get rid of certain books that you've been reading, or, or uh, um, get rid of some, you know, even even what most people would consider appropriate magazines that come to your home. You do what you need to do. Now, some of you may say, but I mean, I'm so down on myself because I'm still struggling. I mean, I've been a Christian for so long, and I'm still struggling. God couldn't use me because of this, and, and I could never have a good marriage because of this. I'd say to you, the fact that you're still struggling isn't necessarily a bad sign. The fact that you're still struggling is an indication that you have not been defeated yet. They're still fighting you. They're still fighting you. The problem is when you surrender to it and say, I just give up. If you're still struggling, what's happening is You're a sinful person bent towards sin who has not surrendered to the temptation of sin, and you're still fighting with the power of God. And as you learn to depend on his power, he can help set you free. So if you are on the receiving end of a confession, someone opens up to you. Don't look at them like, you're a loser. Realize you're talking to someone who's been injured, who's hoping to be healed. Maybe, on the other hand, you're going to open up to somebody and say, I'm really struggling with this. Don't beat yourself up. I'm a loser, no good, pervert, jerk that God could, doesn't even love. No, no, no. You're someone who's been injured, who's seeking healing from God. You protect the wound so you can heal. Then number two, you pursue. You pursue. You protect and you pursue. You don't just try to have a good defense, Okay. You still play to win. For, for example, if I told you this, if I told you all, uh, everybody close your eyes for a minute. Everybody close your eyes. Just every, close your eyes. I'm looking around. No peeking, no peeking, no peeking. There's someone peeking. Someone in Fort Worth is peeking. How do I know? God just showed me that. I'm that good, okay? Not really. I just could just, I'm just guessing. Okay, close your eyes. Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. Do not, do not, do not think of a pink elephant. Okay, open up your eyes. What do you see right now? Well, you see, okay, why do you see a pink elephant? Two reasons. Number one, because it's on the screen. And number two, I told you not to think about it. Okay? If all you do is say, don't have lustful thoughts, don't have lustful thoughts, don't have lustful thoughts, listen, that's going to drag you back into it. Okay, if instead you say, I want to pursue God, I want to know him, I want to serve him, that gives you a good offense as well as a good defense. In fact, this is what Paul said. I'm going to read you more than than actually in your notes. He said this, Ephesians 4, 18 and 19. They are darkened in their understanding, and they are what? Read that part aloud. And they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them Due to the hardening of their hearts, some people's hearts are hardened and they are separated from the life that God intended for them. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. What happens? When we sin like this, we are separated from the life that God intended. Why do we give in to lust? Why do we look? Why do we fantasize? Why do we pull up memories from the past? Why do we fool around before we're married? A lot of people would say, well, I was just bored. I felt empty, just kind of filled a void. It was a distraction. What happened is you were settling for a counterfeit. You are settling for a quick hit, the quick fix, the thrill of the moment when God has something way better. You are separated from the life that God intended. What life did he intend? He intended a life of intimacy with another person. He intends for a life of purity. He, he wants you to have no fear of getting caught, no looking over your shoulder, no, no, no regret at all, He wants there to be absolute trust in a relationship, absolute security and in, 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 in intimacy. He wants something far better. But your spiritual enemy puts some bait on a hook and wants you to swim towards something that's gonna take you from the life of God. Now, I'll be real honest. The times when I'm most vulnerable are the times when I've stopped pursuing God. When I am pursuing him and waking up with a mission and waking up with a calling and serving him with reckless abandon and listening to the voice of his spirit and making myself available to him all day, I don't have time to be distracted by the lower things of this world. You see, I've got a higher calling that fills me up on the inside and the temptations of this world don't look so good when I am serving the only one who is good. And no matter where you might be today, you can be free. You may still be struggling, but the fact that you're struggling proves you have not yet been defeated. And by the power of Christ, you can protect the wound so God can heal it. And then you don't just have a good defense, but you have a good offense. You're pursuing him. You're doing something significant. You're laying down your life for his glory. You're making a difference because life isn't all about you, it's all about him. And when you're glorifying him, the lower temptations of this world do not pull on you as they did. You can be free by the power of God. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would do a healing work in our hearts as we seek you. All of our churches, those of you today who would say, honestly, don't think about it, don't be embarrassed by it. You were exposed, you got hurt, and now it's caused problems, and you need God's help. Would you just lift up your hands right now? All over the place, just lift up your hands right now. Lift them up, put them back down, put them back down. There are way more of you who are lying. Everybody take your hands off the person next to you. Everybody put your hands in your lap. Nobody looking around. This is between you and God right now. Those of you who say, I need help, lift up your hands right now. Be honest. Lift them up all over the place. Father, today I thank you for those who sincerely want to please you. God, we pray that you would give us the divine wisdom to distance ourselves from that which would tempt us. God, help us to protect the wound that you could heal and renew our mind according to your truth. But God, not only do we want a good defense, we want a good offense. God, we want to awake every day with our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God, we want to run toward you, living out your calling, your purpose, serving in our church, serving in our communities. God, being available to the prompting of your Holy Spirit. So much on mission for you that we don't have the time to be tempted and distracted by the lower things of this world that do not please you and only hurt us. God, help us to protect and to pursue you with everything in us. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, there are those of you who you're gonna recognize, oh my goodness, man, I messed up, I've sinned in a big way. It may be this sin, it may be any number of other sins. Let me tell you the good news. The good news is there is no sin you've committed too great for the grace of God. He still loves you and he sent his son Jesus, who was without sin, to die on the cross and be raised from the dead so that anyone, and that includes you, who calls on his name would be saved. I remember back in college wanting to know God, wanting to give my life to Christ, but afraid because I was into some things that I didn't know if I could overcome. The reality is Jesus wanted me to come exactly as I was, and he loved me through it, and by his strength, I overcame it. At all of our churches today, there are those of you here today, you recognize you need his grace, You're turning your life to him. You're ready today to call on him and be made new. And all of our churches, those of you who say, yes, that's my prayer. I turn from my sins and I turn toward him. Save me. I give my life to you. Lift your hands high right now. Just lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. Lift them up high right here in the middle section. God bless you guys. Right back over here as well. Up here, both of you close to me. Praise God for you. Thank you. Both of you gentlemen right back over here in this section saying, yes. Jesus, I need your grace. I need your mercy. Church Online, you click right below me. Others of you today who say, yes, I need your forgiveness. I turn my life over to you. I want to pursue you and put you first. Would you all pray today with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to Jesus who died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could pursue you and serve you with all my heart. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Would somebody shout really loud, worship God, welcome those born into the family of God.